family. Happy Father's Day. Good morning. Thank you, cousin. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to be here. Today we're going to do things a little bit unconventional. And uh, I'm going to bring someone to the stage, though. Before I do that, um, this Father's, Father's Day can be a pain point for a lot of people, myself included. And so thank you, Lady Carolyn, for your sensitivity to all the different ways that people experience Father's Day. But I'm expecting for there to be no heaviness, for there to be joy today, because we have so much to celebrate in our, our Father in Heaven, right? So... Before we get started, I'm going to bring someone really special. I've said this to Bishop in private, but I'd like to say this in public too. Now, ever since I was a little girl, Lady Carolyn has always been in my life. But my Uncle Flynn and I have a newfound relationship, and it's a real one. And I just want to say to you that I appreciate the way that you have extended yourself to me. and You've made space for me and all that you have to be and all that you have to do. It just, it means so much. And it's been the most beautiful surprise in this last year and a half to let me and Tiffany bug you with our thousands of questions. <laughs> questions was something that really bonded me with my dad. And we'd sit up for hours. And so you giving me your time and ear and answers is filling more than one void, and I love you. Would you please join me on the stage? Please welcome your Bishop Flynn Johnson. Thank you. Nice shoes. <laughs> We're just gonna let you guys inside of our, of our newfound relationship, and that's just me interviewing him on a really appropriate subject that I think you're really um, wise and familiar firsthand, and that's fatherhood. But it's through the lens that we've been talking about success. And um, this week, we're talking about relational unity. Mm. Yes, and how that relates to our success. Now, I have my first question I want to ask you is the most urgent and the most important question. Are you ready? I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. In the Bible, Esther's uncle helped her get married. Will you help ah. me get married? <laughs> uncle Mordecai. <laughs> Why, of course I will. Okay, thank you. It would be my honor to do that. Get ready, guys. And so, um, yeah, oh, that would be like awesome. I'm just kidding a little bit. <laughs> No, we got Pastor Tiffany out no, of the way. We no, need to. No, you're not. I'm not <laughs> kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Um, okay. Really, Get ready, guys. <laughs> my real first question is, tell us some of your, like, really quickly, some of your favorite, most proud fatherhood moments. Ooh, wow. The first one, <laughs> the first one comes to mind. I'm, I'm sure three or four. And I'm dead sleep in my grandfather's house because we stayed with our grandparents. Actually, they were our great-grandparents. We stayed with them. My father worked graveyard, and my mother worked graveyard. She was a nurse, and my father was actually a lumberman at that time. So we're at my grandfather's house. I am just out. And out of the blue sky, that big hand touches me. He says, come on, get up. It's time to go. And I'm just so weary. And I walk in the kitchen, and he has already prepared pancakes. So my dad wakes me up. He's, he comes to my grandpa's house. He wakes me up. And it's, it's, the sun's not even up yet. And he fixes us pancakes. And we get in the car, and we go fishing. I have that memory in my mind. I, I can see him helping me get the hook on the, the worm, the squigglies, worm, the real worms. You know, real ones that smell like dirt. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's teaching me how to put the worm on the hook, and we're casting out there. And we actually started catching fish. I can tell you what kind of fish we caught. We caught perch. Yeah, freshwater perch. It was the best. Did he have to help you wheel it up? Uh, actually, I didn't have a, I didn't have, it was cane poles. Old school. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you had to go. Yeah. 
<laughs> took him up and so he's grabbing the line and he's taking him off the hook and that was one of the most the favorite memories. That's beautiful. That I have of my dad. Okay, and now that you are a father, what has been one of the moments you looked at one of your children and said, I think I'm doing a good job. I'm proud to be a father. Well, ask me that again. I have another thing I want to tell you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I remember the day he gave me his 22. Oh. Can you, can you explain what a 22 is, just it's a, in case? A 22 long rifle. I remember when he gave, oh, I was like, oh my God. It was the most, the best. And, uh, and, and uh, it would take me with him and we would go hunt. Now, I, he wouldn't let me shoot at that point because I was younger, but we went hunt, hunting jackrabbits. So for all you natures over there, we shot rabbits, yeah. And, uh, and, and he would skin them. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. And, and we would have rabbits. My mother knew how to fix rabbit stew. The best. So that's, an, that's a memory I have, my dad and I. Wow. So killing fish and killing rabbits. Got it. <laughs> okay. And so now here we are years later. You're a father. What's your, yeah. what's your favorite, one of your favorite fatherhood moments as you look at your children? Sitting in the... <laughs> Sitting in the delivery room, uh, the delivery waiting room, they wouldn't let me go in to see the birth of my child. But I sat there in my living room. In fact, my dear friend, Wendell Vaughn. Wendell, you might be online right now. Uh, let's talk. He's sitting with me. He comes to sit with me. I am so nervous. She's the one having a baby. I'm the one nervous. And I'm in there, and I don't know what to do with myself. After an hour, I'm just fit to be tired. And it's going on two hours, and I walk pacing back and forth. And, and he's like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And we sit down, and the nurse comes in with my daughter. And, uh, you know, first of all, I was so happy my wife was alive. But I didn't, couldn't see her. But they brought the baby in. And she takes the, the blanket and opens the blanket up. And there's the face of my wife in my daughter. It was like, oh, my God. And I, I used to say all newborns are ugly. <laughs> when, the, when, that nurse pulled, when the nurse pulled that blanket out, I was like, oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That was an amazing, that was an amazing memory. Talking about relational unity. I think all of us have to start where we learn relational unity is our families first. Uh, can I give you another one? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. My son had been away uh, writing his testimony, sowing his royal oats. <laughs> uh, a great, great memory is when he came home, and he, I, I'm sure he wasn't sure what kind of reception he was going to get, but when, when he came home, his face, that was a moment that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, son coming home, and God uh, beginning to heal our relationship. That was, a, that was amazing. Yeah. That was that'll amazing. be a testimony to a lot of people after mm -hmm. this. Good job, Chris, <laughs> wherever he is. Um, okay, relational unity. So if our first point of reference to a family is, I mean, of relational unity is in our families, what role does the father play and what role should he play in families? Um, I did what my father did. I tried to do what my father did. My father, uh, there was no doubt, there was no, never a doubt that he loved us, but he would beat the living tire out of us. When he, uh, I mean, he was a, a real dad. I mean, how do you explain getting a whooping and you think you're gonna die, but you, but you still know that your parents love you? There was never a doubt that he loved us. He was expressing his love in a different way. And, um, and we got the worst beatings. 
we were so bad. We, we, we got the worst beatings when we fighting each other. The worst. So it was something, some things we knew we couldn't do. One thing was, oh, we had to get along. And my wife sent me a, a picture of uh, two kids, two little kids, look like three and four, four and five, maybe three and four. And they, they, somebody had put one T-shirt on the top of both of them. Both of the heads in the neck, and one arm, and one child was on the one side, and the one on the other. And on the T-shirt, it wrote, "This is your get along or get a beaten T-shirt." <laughs> and uh, that was my. Got the picture up now. Oh, that's all. Check that out. So my dad, he never had the T-shirt. He had the belt, and he would. Worse was when we were fighting. So my father made, made it clear that fathers are responsible. You know, they're responsible for many things. Um, and, and God never makes a, a, a dad responsible for something he won't equip the dad to, to yeah. do. You know? God the Father doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He gives responsibility and gives ability to fulfill that responsibility. Yeah. I think Lady Carolyn mentioned the provision. We always look at fatherhood through the, the lens of the provision. But you said something a couple of days ago that fatherhood is also playing the role of a director. Mm. It's also playing the role of the protector. Mm-hmm. And can you talk just a little bit more about those other elements of the weight and the responsibility of fatherhood? Everyone that I know of that has kids uh, feel the weight of responsibility for providing for them. And that's why dads get up when they don't feel like getting up. That's why they go the extra mile. And if things don't work out employment-wise, they go find something that does, you know, because they know those children are depending on them. And, and so real fathers, they're going to provide, no matter what. Um, they're, not only are they going to provide, but they're going to protect their kids. You know, real dads are, uh, you know, <laughs> you know if, you, if you get in trouble, if we got in trouble, you know, our father was there to, you know, he responded right away. And if, and if you found out it was our fault, we got the T-shirt. And so even going back to relational unity, you're, it was important for your dad to make sure you all were treating each other well. Oh, he, oh. If we ever fought each other, oh, he would do that hard, I don't know, he would do that thing where he would sit us down and he would talk to us. The worst. He, he'd say like, he'd say, he always, I don't know what he said to them, I always knew what he said to me, because I was the oldest. So he said, you're the oldest, aren't you? Yes, sir. So that means what you do, they do. Yes, sir. So if you act up, that means they act up. Yes, sir. So, so really, I, I should be, you should get the first woman because if you'd have done right in the first place, they would, yes, sir. And then he would be, he would, he would, uh, he, he would no, there was no running from the dad. There was no running from the dad. No, 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 you did not, you did not run. You just, you had to just decide. He would say, okay, turn over, you know. And one day I decided to stick some newspaper, and, you know, kind of, because I knew I was going to get it. So he looked, he reached it, got the newspaper, and he commenced. And my father was strong, you know. His belt, you could, you could hear it whistling from about five miles back. Five miles. <laughs> you know, it was so horrible, the beatings, that my gluteus maximus would sink down into the mattress and come back up, and then he would get whop. And you know, it, it, I wish you'd just get it over with. But he whipped and he started talking. And I told him, so then, whop, and don't you ever, then whop. And I'm just, oh, I'm suffering. And then he would say, I'm, I'm crying. You know, you want to scream. And then he'd say, shut up. And I'd take a deep breath. <laughs> Have you ever seen kids go, <laughs> I was the quintessential crying stutterer. <laughs> and he, no mercy. And then he would make sure you understood why you got this whooping. Then he would affirm how much he loved us. I'd hate to see what it was if you hated us. 
<laughs> you probably wouldn't be alive. <laughs> but we got the message. You didn't, there are certain things you didn't do and of course fight each other, talk about each other. And the only second worst one, the second, the worst one to fighting was disrespecting our mom. That was, that was, that was, I don't even want to think about that. Go ahead. <laughs> so there is a level of stability that just the presence of fatherhood in the home brings to children. And that brings me to, I want to talk about a dilemma that I think at least our country is in as it pertains to parenthood. And I did a little research on Mother's Day. Okay. America spends $21.4 billion on Mother's Day. Read that again. Um, and, and this was a statistic from 2016, so I don't even know if this is accurate. Mother's Day alone, one day, uh, America spent $21.4 billion. The statistics for what we spend on Father's Day don't even exist. And what that tells me is... statistic on Father is what? I don't know. Wow. What that tells me is, I want to paraphrase this by saying, mothers, especially single mothers, are doing a wonderful work, a very important work, and a very hard work. Uh. But I think that there's a bit of a statistic that is not all the way accurate that most families or that most uh, minority families have a missing dad in the picture, not all the time. But because that's the narrative, it's easier for us to celebrate motherhood than it is fatherhood. Father, Father's Day seems to be more of a pain point holiday versus Mother's Day is more of a celebratory, unless you've obviously lost your mother. How do you think and how important is it, is it for us to restore the honor oh back to fathers? If I were the enemy and I wanted to corrupt a family, a neighborhood, a culture, a nation. I would start with separating fathers from mothers. And once dads are no longer good husbands, it's created something horrible. It's, it's created children who, who don't understand who they are, identity, which fathers are responsible. You know, when your dad's in the home, you, you understand about who your dad is, who his dad is, and all the family before him. He's the progenitor. All that came before him, you know, you get to know all that stuff. But you never get to know that if he's not present or if he's present not functioning. So with that, can you speak a little bit to men who haven't decided that they want to be fathers yet? Why should a man want to be a father? Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Just like if you've never had sex, you don't know what that is. You might think you know what that is. And you might have pictures of what that is. But until you, you don't really know. Yeah. I wish I could get a better amen than that, but nobody wants to talk about it. They're you know, scared. You know, maybe, maybe they had it so early, but I don't know. What, if you don't know. So, but once you have sex, it's like oh, the light comes on. And it's like, oh, it's you. Oh. Assuming the experience is proper and good. And, of course, the context of marriage is always the best. And similarly, you don't know what it is to be a dad until you see your child. Until you look at your face, your features reproduced in your it's, you, it's a very It's very difficult to explain what that is. It is the most incredible thing. And many, many men run from that because they don't want the responsibility. Uh, running from responsibility is a big deal. And when you don't want to, and there are people who are saying today, I can't believe this actually, people are actually saying, I don't want to have kids. This yeah. world's too crazy. This world is, it is crazy. It is nuts. But this is a repeat of what was eons ago. It's, it is amazing that we have this attitude, we don't want to have children. But to have children, is is a is a uh, it's a it's a revelation, and it, it it's like confirming everything before you, and 
it also projects you into the future where you, you realize you are responsible to direct this arrow and shoot this arrow in a, in a place where you will never be able to go. Your extension of yourself is, becomes the personification of your children. They, 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 uh, they carry you in all your genes. And many times the things that God, you know, have purpose for us to do come to their fullest completion in our children. You, you can see that in the scripture. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, which the scripture uh, vehemently provides and protects that three-level generation of father, fa father, son, father, son. And so I would say to guys that don't want to have kids, that you just don't know what you're missing. Just like you don't really know what you're missing when you try to have sex. Even if you have tried to have sex with yourself, you just nothing, it's something different. Uh, I'm just trying to help us, right? You know, you know it, it's, it, it's just, just different. And, and when you don't have, when you, do, when, you have, when you have a woman that you love, that you would lay your life down for, that she, that's, that completes me. As I said, a woman, a woman that is flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone, and, and you understand that when you look in her eyes, uh, she, is, she reflects in you who you are, and you are one, and it's more than your best friend. I say marriage is the only relationship that you can, you know, have sex with your sister. And I want to make my thing clear: she, a sister in Christ, sister in Christ. I might need some more unpacking. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. My sister, my spouse yeah. is what is what is what um, Solomon ca calls it. But to have that relationship, and then out of that relationship, to reproduce another life. Could, gives more meaning to your life and what, it, what it's supposed to be. So if I hear you correctly, it's almost saying fatherhood is answering the call to be fruitful and multiply. That's very, that is actually, I didn't say that very good, that, that theologian. That's Interpretation. That, that, is, that is absolutely yeah. right. So when the Lord says that to Adam and Eve, he understands the fulfillment they're going to get when they do it. Yes. And you can't know it before you do it, before you walk in it. You can tell me you can swim all day. You can get in the water. But until you, are, until you start actually motor, uh, uh, moving your body through the water, you don't really know what that, you don't know what that is. You may look, but you don't see. Having a child is the most, um, I, I want to use the word reverential thing when it comes to connecting with God the Father. Because remember, he's God the Father before he's anything else. The whole, the whole creation is named after the fatherhood of God. And every culture in the world has fatherhood. And when you dismantle that, that's something God created. And he did so very specifically with male, female. That's a big deal. Because that male, female coming together produces the next generation. And when you see the next generation and you care for that, you get, uh, you, you get a fulfillment that you didn't even know existed before. That's powerful. Guys that don't have kids, not everybody can physically have children. Mm -hmm. uh, thank God there's adoption. And I know, I know couples that are just incredibly fulfilled because they have parenthood through an adopted situation. But to have them, and, 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 you know, financially it changes you. Uh, it, 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 the weight gets heavier because you, you have to provide. But I've discovered that God is the one that always, God never gives authority where he doesn't give provision. Hey, one more time. God gives, when he gives authority or when he gives responsibility, he gives provision. Authority and responsibility are married. You can never separate. If you do, you have a freak. It's a horrible thing. Responsibility and authority are one. And when you get more responsibility, God always gives provision. Because his name, his name is on the line in your fatherhood. 
And so God will definitely provide for a father to take care of those kids. In fact, there's some heavy stuff in the scripture that says, if you don't provide for your kids, you're worse than the unbeliever. You're worse than the infidel, it uses that term, if you don't provide for your kids. I don't care who you are. Hey, saved and not saved. When you have a baby, when you have a child, God will make a way for you to increase your income if you're not selfish. I think that's so important for men to understand just how God views fatherhood. It's the, that's really powerful, that a man's fulfillment and his purpose is so close to the, one of the first ways that God identifies himself. That's a, that's a heavy weight. I read something online that said, you don't know the success of your parenthood by how your kids turn out. You know the success of your parenthood about how your grandkids turn out. That is really awesome. And you now, as a grandfather, watching this next generation rise up, is there, what would you tell fathers about their need is still now? It is not, their job is not done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you practice on your kids. <laughs> you know, anybody have kids, the first one is practice. And the second one, you drop, boom, oh, you'll be okay. Just, you know, the second one, you know, the second one, <laughs> you, you know, it's not that you love them any less, which is another revelation. When you have a child, you never knew you could love someone and yet never lose the love for the one who carried it. It's, it, it's like it, you, the love for that person has another dimension. Yeah. And that child comes, and now your heart, and then you think you love, when the second child comes, you don't realize that the capacity in your heart to love this next child like you love that child, like you love the mom, yeah. it, God just keeps opening your heart in love, makes your heart bigger and bigger. And none of them are the same. But, I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know. Just like I didn't know what it was like to be a dad when I wasn't a dad, I did not know what it was to be a grandpa. And it's very difficult to explain. I know that when your, when your grandkids come, you get to, you know, <laughs> spoil them and give them back to their parents, you know. It's really amazing. I mean, but, you know, I'm, I'm halfway kidding, but kind of, yeah. When grandchildren come, uh, it's like, it, it's, it's a sign. First of all, you have lived probably most of your life, or at least, you're at least halfway through when the grandkids come. So it marks a different way of living and thinking. So my responsibility as a grandfather is to tell my grandkids the stuff that their parents won't tell them. They the parenting doesn't stop. No. But you're, now, my kids, my children, are not going to tell my grandkids how bad they were <laughs> and how much they screwed up or how much they messed up or even the great things that they've done. Parents don't break it. You know, I was, no, they don't do that. But, but grandparents have the power to bridge the generation. And this is why I believe it's Abraham. Isaac, Jacob. That thing is amazing. I, when I see my grand, I just had a new grandson, uh, which is like, wow. Uh, and he says, here's my lips. It's really wonderful. And we, we're, vain, we're vain. We're looking for ourselves. In, in our, my job isn't done until my grandchildren get and grasp what, I, what I've been demonstrating for my children. And I think God intended for grandparents to be, because to your children's children is a promise that God, of course, they were just singing about it. Uh, there is a covenantal promise from God to the grandchildren. So grandpas are, are, are responsible to be there to confirm, you know, what has happened to your, your first one. That's good. So I'm not done until... Until yeah. they get it. 
I didn't want to teach my son just how to make a living. She and I, we realized our job was to teach them how to be great parents. It's a whole different ballgame. And they are. They are my, my kids are great parents. It's amazing. So when I see my grandchildren, it's like my life, you know what I mean? You know, who wants to go to an old folks home? I mean, I got grandchildren. I mean, when, I, when my grandchildren come around, I, you know, I'm like, I'm alive, yeah. you know. They see me, they go, what I love about my grandchildren. They, they, they act like, they act like uh, a movie star has just come into the room. You know? <laughs> and they go, Bobby! <laughs> you know, so the, for me, it's like, yes, you know, and they're, they're, you know, I love, I, I love my grandkids. Okay, I only have time for one more question. So, like we said earlier, Father's Day can be um, a pain point for some people. Uh, and to, days like today might be hard, whether you're grieving a, a lost father. But I want to talk a little bit about what you think God is saying about broken relationships with turning the heart of the father back to the children, turning the heart of the children back to the father. Is there any bit of hope that you can give to us today about what steps to make towards mending things and bridging that, that gap with, with people's fathers? Yeah, actually, when you were asking me the question earlier, I thought about that scripture, uh, which is in the last part of Malachi. And um, he's talking to the people of Israel, and he says, I'm, I'm going to send forth the prophet of the Lord, and in that day he will turn the heart of the, number one, fathers to the children. And he will turn the heart of the children back to the fathers. Least I come and smite the earth with a curse. We, we understand the curse in our culture, you know, the curse of gender confusion is one of the curses of not having fathers, appropriate godly fathers in the family. I mean, it's a real challenge in our generation. It's a curse. It's a curse to, to not honor your mom. And, you know, we wouldn't, we would not dare because we knew it was behind her. We wouldn't dare you know, say something smart or, and, and I, I watch children hit their moms. I'm, I'm, it drives me crazy. You know, they're going to take me to jail because I'm not, I'm not even the daddy, but I want to jump in and, and beat the mama. Anyway, anybody, because they don't, they don't take care of, you know. Um, the curse in our culture is here because the relationship between father and mother, husband and wife, is broken. And so people come here uh, in horrible pain. When you have a broken home, it's amazing we use that term broken because instinctively we know it's not fixed. Uh, a, a broken home means a broken relationship. And all that comes with that is so horrible. Unforgiveness, low self-esteem, no direction in their life as to who they are or what they're supposed to do or the direction that they're supposed to go or how they're supposed to treat other people. All those things come spilling out as a curse on a family, on a generation where fatherhood is no longer revered and where husband and wife is not mended. And, and, and that's what the prophet's talking about. But the promise is, is I'm going to send the prophet of the Lord. I, do, I believe the word of the Lord now coming to America, uh, coming to the states and the cities and even to Atlanta, uh, the word of the Lord concerning God healing the curse that comes in families where there's never a kind word, where alcohol has ruled the place, where drugs have, have separated and caused hatred and abuse, even sexual abuse and, 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 and physical damage. To, all of that stuff is really what we're getting. You know, it's what we're getting in the news. It's what we're getting. And I don't know if you've noticed it, how much it appears that crime has, a, has risen. It's part of the curse because who, who's committing these crimes? You know, when you look, see young men on the street with, with no idea of who they are or what they're to be doing and the things that they're involved in, 
even the, even the way they dress, the way they treat women, the superlatives that they use in describing women. Oh my God, if we ever let any of that come out of our mind, we'd have been half dead, you know? And if we, if we would have said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the police, I'm going to tell. My, my, my daddy would say something like this, well, call them quick. He said, because you're going to be dead by the time they come back. So I said, so. I mean, it was like, you didn't play that. But my point is, the curse that Malachi describes has hit all of us. Because there's no such thing as a perfect family. And what we're dealing with now is the Lord restoring that curse. I will, I'll say that, that blood... Blood is the only answer to healing that curse. The blood of Jesus, who was sent from the Father to reveal to us his true heart, his true nature. That blood has the power to change us internally. And when, 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 men, you, know, when, when, when you are forgiven, you know, when you are forgiven... One of the first things that you're drawn to by the Holy Spirit is to direct that forgiveness toward your parents because that pain is so deep and, and difficult. But when God forgives us, I, I had to do the same. Even this great father that raised me was not a perfect dad, did not do everything right. But I would never dishonor his memory. I would tell you that he, today, today in this climate, my God, he would, he would be a stalwart. He would be standing on the top of the heap in terms of dads. But even with that, he was a human dad. He didn't do everything right. I had to forgive him. I had to forgive him for getting a beating for, beating for something I didn't do. And I held that in my heart, you know. And, and God had to, he had to deal with me. And that was one of the first things he did. When, when, when you get forgiven of your sins, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is directs you to forgive those who sinned against you. That's how we pray. When you pray, pray this, our Father who art in heaven, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And in fact, I don't really get forgiveness unless I'm willing to release those who have held me captive. And uh, so I would say that what well, first answer is, forgi is forgiveness because not all people, I think about women over the years that we've had an opportunity to, to work with who have deeply been damaged by their dads, by a lack of their dads, or even by moms who were trying to replace the dad, which is a horrible thing. It creates a terrible, you know, control in that regard. P produces horrible children who try to control everybody else. Um, when, when, when a person is forgiven, they sh it, sh it shows your heart who you have enmity or hatred against. You'd be shocked how many people hate their parents. God never intended it to be that way. But blood comes. Blood from the most terrible, horrible punishment. Because that punishment should have been ours for what we have done. But when you get forgiveness from that, it gives you the power it's, a very, it's an awesome power to release your parents. How can you load a truck from an empty truck? I asked a friend of mine recently, I said, well, who was, who was your father's dad? What did he do? His eyes got big. He said, think about it. Oh, my God. Because he realized that Grandpa, Grandpa drunk, he, he was drunk like his dad was drunk. He was doing the same things. And, and, and here he was struggling with the same thing. Sins go down, the, the geano, ge genealogy. It runs down the genes. And so when you get forgiveness of your own sin, it gives you the power to do something unheard of, to reach back to that generation and issue forgiveness. It is amazing that Proverbs says that the oppressor needs to be relieved from the oppressed. The oppressed have the power to release their oppressors, even if it's their parents. When you forgive them, and you even when you ask them for forgiveness, which are, some of them are like, what you mean? But when they ask for it, 
what happens is it opens a spiritual door for the Lord who created them and created their dad and their dad and their dad and their dad and their mom. It opens the door for the Lord to come down with grace upon them. And that grace upon, their, upon a father who was not a father at all is amazing. I, so what you're saying is I'm sorry, this. Yes. Even if you've been a victim of pain, healing can still come and begin with you, through you, in you. And God can use you to be the one to mend the Absolute, pain. That's absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, it, turning the heart of the fathers and turning the heart of the children. It, if a dad was listening to us, if a dad was watching us right now, and they know it, they, it's not well with them and their kids, it's not well with them. Maybe they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Um, and many dads know it and are embarrassed about it. Many dads are broken about it. Sometimes the relationship of the mom and the dad is so strained that he, what he wants to do, he can't do. And so, but it's amazing that, that forgiveness is supplied. And if God the Father ever wanted to heal a relationship, the relationship of father and children has got to be at the top of the list. Thank you, Bishop. Can you give... Praise to God for the wisdom through our spiritual father. I'm going to get out of the way. As the spiritual authority and spiritual father, would you please pray for us? Pray for the mending and the healing. And if there's anyone who needs prayer, I'm going to turn it over to you now. But thank you for letting me ask you five out of my million oh, questions. Don't, don't go stay, 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 stay here. Stay here. And maybe sometime I would love to hear how the Lord worked between you and your dad. I would, I, I would, I would almost bet that your dad had things to ask you as wonderful as the dad he was is my brother, right? As wonderful as a dad, I know he was an amazing father, but he still had to come to you and say, Ashley, would you forgive me for this? Am, am I, am I Absolutely. right? Absolutely. To the last days. When I think about that, I think about our audience today. Um, if there's any relationship that God would want to heal, he would want to heal that one. And some of them, their parents have already gone on to the Lord. My father was already in the presence of God when the Lord showed me I needed to forgive him. And so I remember uh, even in, in one of our soul reset meetings, um, coming to a person and, and, and somebody stood at, in proxy as my dad and I was talking to the things, saying, saying the things that I needed to say to my dad, realizing that this really is in the presence of God. But what was happening as I was saying those things, it was releasing me, literally was setting me free. And when I asked for that forgiveness to God, the, the Father, to forgive me for the things I'd held in my heart, and that I was releasing my, my father to the Lord. I can't even explain. It, it was like a, a, a relief. My heart was no longer heavy. Whatever God does in that is an amazing miracle. And, 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 and then I, now I was ready for my children, or me, for me to ask my children for forgiveness for things that, I did not do or did. It's a marvelous healing. I would like to pray for you today that if any of that needs to happen to or for you, that you do. By the way, I discovered over the years when this happens, there are miracles behind it. And one of the miracles was when people begin to ask for forgiveness to God and, and forgive their, their father, and the dad would be out of their life, God would bring them back in their life. That, that is an amazing thing. I have some people that go, went and traveled and spoke to their dad. And what God did was amazing. And what they determined from that dad was not everything they thought. And you, I, they found dads who were praying and who wanted God to forgive them. And God would bring that thing back together. And that would end up in, in all kinds of blessings. Honor your father and mother that it may 
that you may live long and that it might go well with you. And God reverses the curse. And I would love to pray for those of you that are wrestling with that, that need to, need to, uh, you've broken the principle of honor. The principle of honor has nothing to do with the actions of those who are, who are our parents. It has to do with acknowledging that God the Father is the one who made a choice to bring us here through those vessels. And, and when you honor that, God now is able to release his power and his blessings over your life. I want, to, I want to ask you to, you're with us online, maybe you, you can pray with us. I, I want to include you most definitely in this prayer. If I've been saying something here that touches your life, would you stand on your feet and I want to pray for you. Um, those of you that hear what I'm saying, I want you to stand if you would please. Some things maybe that need to be resolved I, I want to encourage you to stand in. in your standing you're just making this proclamation to the Lord that I am going to release my parents my father this is Father's Day I'm going to release him I'm not going to, he doesn't owe me anything hmm. everything that he was supposed to do God took care of it but that enmity that is created from pain and disappointment, from abandonment, from abuse. God wants to take that pain away and take that curse out of your life. Father, those of you that are remaining seated, if you see somebody near you that's standing, would you pray with me for them? It is so wonderful when God begins to restore this. On this Father's Day, I want Father in Heaven, I'm asking you to unlock the treasure from Heaven that has been held up because of the curse that has come, the hatred, the bitterness, the pain, the slander. Because It has held up all of the great goodness that you have in restore for your sons and daughters. Father, I pray for them now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would do by the Holy Spirit, through your word, would you release a mending, a healing over them right now as they verbally ask for forgiveness. And as they verbally forgive your Father, you can say his name, Father, I forgive him. But that means I'm not going to charge him anymore. I'm not going to hold him in libel. I'm not going to make him. Uh, uh, I'm not going to make him guilty because of what he didn't do for me. Because what you're doing in this prayer is acknowledging that God the Father has always had His hand on you, and He's the one that has kept you and, keep, and keeps you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. And I, I, by the authority that's vested in me, Father, I declare that curse broken in the, in the name, that hatred broken in the name of Jesus. I declare, Father, that enmity severed in the name of Christ. Hallelujah. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for pouring in the purity of your Holy Spirit, healing every wound in the name of Jesus, taking away, Father, every bit of hatred. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying now that those who are, those who are standing before you would release their parents, release their dads, release them in the name of Jesus. Father, I release him. I put him in your hands. He belongs to you. He could not give me what was not given him. And Father, I thank you that you've even brought me to this place that I can even do this today. 
Lord, for dads that are alive. I pray the reconnection. I pray the healing of the relationship. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I praise you for restoring their identity. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pour in, Lord. Pour in your Holy Spirit. Pour in your healing balm. Fix their heart so they're no longer afraid. No longer rejected. Completely, absolutely accepted by the Father. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Now purify their hearts for every man that they may become the father that you have borne them to be. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Father. Blessed be your name today, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You are the Father of mercy, the Father of grace. Thank you, Jesus. The Father of provision. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. I thank you for it. Those of you that are praying, stretch your arms right up to God and let the Holy Spirit just anoint you right now. Those of you praying for them, just place your hand right up on their forehead. Let the Holy Spirit come upon them now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for drawing out the pain. Pouring in your love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, Lord, for my friends that are watching online today, thank you for moving right there in their presence, in the midst of where they are, in their home, in the restaurant, on their phone, in the car. Father, move on them in, in the name of Jesus. Let them be relieved of that pain, that burden. Take that burden off of them in the name of Christ. Make them light again. Make their heart open again. Fill their heart with joy again in Jesus' name because they have released their dads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray now, Father, for every dad, every father in this building and under the sound of my voice that needs to go to their children and that needs to enact forgiveness and needs to enact healing in Jesus' name. Thank you for the authority that you've placed upon them. Now, Father, let that authority be used for deliverance and for freedom, for provision, for direction. I bless your name. Give them the words to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We ask in Jesus' name, let it be done in the name of Christ. If you love him and you know he's done something, clap your hands to do him today. Come on, church, let's give God praise for what he's doing in the house.